Transplanter RPG is proudly sponsored by at Dimitri Opines on Twitter. That is at D-M-I-T-R-Y-O-P-I-N-E-S. And Explain Trade, a negotiation skills training consultancy believing in the power of D&D and Transplaner's potential to grow, tell great stories, and lift up our community. Explain Trade trains negotiators for governments, big companies, NGOs, and offers e-learning courses for individuals looking to get a better deal from their boss. Level up your charisma score and check out explaintrade.com. We are also so excited to share the good word of HeroForge. HeroForge is an online character design application for you to create, customize, and order tabletop miniatures that represent your D&D character. HeroForge offers a genre-spanning library of thousands of parts, sliders, customization options, and color design tools, 3D asset bundles for online play, token makers for virtual tabletops, and much, much more. So go to HeroForge.com today and make your very own tabletop miniature. Hey there! Thank you for tuning in to Transplanar RPG. We are an all-transgender, people of color-led, 100% homebrew, Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition live-streamed actual play campaign set in an original, non-colonial, anti-Orientalist world. I am your game master, Connie. My pronouns are they, he, and she, and my cast is as follows. C. Thomas plays Oka Hien, an Asamar bloodhunter. Lyra Olsen plays Manaya Wairua, a half-orc fighter and warlock. Max Guo plays Dewey Quirk, an Aarakocra artificer. Erica Flaidlin plays V. Nakshirzo, an elf sorcerer. Hamna Shahid plays Jaron Kader, a dragonborn rogue. Dare Hickman plays Gentle, a triton monk. Quinn B. Rodriguez plays Sitlali, a changeling cleric. And Austin Knight plays Abiku Ishtar, a reborn goliath ranger. So, with that out of the way, here are the content warnings for this episode. Content warnings for this episode include fantasy violence, explosions, romance, flirting, kissing, references to sexual entanglements, complex and complicated relationships, cults and cult-like behaviors, and manipulation. Arc 5, Episode 1 Glory, Starfield, Bewilderment, Bone Marrow. From a Table Filled with Interest by Anne Gorick. Dabathati. The city of three faces. The capital of the Royal Republic of Talmud is a marvel of engineering carved from the jagged spires of the Godspine. Its massive entrances resemble the three open mouths of Yudabathi, the god of mountains and war, the elf Vinash, the orc Suraksha, the dwarf Thristi. Midwinter frost hardens the masonry. Nests of mountain-dwelling birds perch upon the chiseled brows and stern cheeks of the gates. And cradled within the eyes of Vinash, Suraksha, and Thristi, we see the gleaming helms of the Daywatch, the sworn protectors of the city. They survey the bustling entrance of Dabathati far, far below, a never-ending river of refugees streaming past its proud stone gates. A year ago, the lines of Talmadins and immigrants alike seeking shelter within their nation's capital stretched far, far beyond the city's gates, bottlenecked by the Senate's strict policies. But now, the gates are wide open. People come and go as they please, riding horses, pulling wagons, driving herds of noisy cattle through the vaulted gateways of Dabathati. The ceiling of the city 
built into the mountain hangs thousands of feet above, brimming with stalactites, icicles, and crevices where shafts of sunless light filter through. Buildings with bulbous domes, spiraling minarets, and stone lattice walls jut out from craggy outcroppings. Colorful parchinkari ornamentations decorate every boulder on every wall. Waterfalls gush from seams in the rock, spilling into rivers that crisscross throughout the capital, dividing Dabathati into its three famous districts. In the district of Vinash, we see an older, barrel-chested halfling woman pushing her wheelchair through the crowds, navigating her all-terrain wheels over icy roads. A Nightwatch badge glimmers proudly on her robe as she rolls into a flowering courtyard, relieving a Daywatch guard of her shift. In the district of Thristi, an anxious-looking Yuan Ti peruses a stack of scrolls in a dusty library, the wooden shelves and banisters twisting and turning with intricate floral designs. He scratches the back of his shaved head, his reddish skin glimmering with sweat, their yellow eyes narrowing at the page. In the district of Saraksha, we see a tall, thin, silver-haired tiefling, grouchily hawking her wares. She stands in front of a colorful display cart draped with the holy symbols of all eight gods. Feathers for the Raven Queen, antlers for Sen, spindles for Nitbuza, pearls for Mahu, scrolls for Mengshen, Jirdi, dice for Skad and Nectus, sundials for Galtanger, gems for Yudabathi, and a ninth unfamiliar symbol, but one we see everywhere, painted onto walls, draped around necks, pinned to tunics, embroidered onto saris, woven into hair, a chrysalis. And we cut now to the Senate House. A vast, triangular complex of ramparts, battlements, and interconnected courtyards glimmering with emerald lawns, sapphire ponds, and ruby-red flowers. Massive gates loom on all three sides of the Senate House cut from redstone and embellished with intricate inlay work in white marble. The Senate House occupies the beating heart of Dabathati, surrounded on all three sides by sprawling gardens that bleed into the districts. Inside the Senate House, we push through a massive hallway, its marble floors teeming with perforated shadows from the lattice stone screens that comprise its walls. Senators and statespeople bustle through this corridor, coming in and out of offices, quarreling in hushed tones, scheming for power. We push through one of the holes of the Jali screen to see a garden bursting with fruit trees, the smell of mangoes, guavas, papayas populating the air, even now in midwinter, enchanted to bloom. A black rope fences off this garden with a sign that reads in Talmadi, Consul Bataval's private gardens, no trespassing. We push past this sign, past the broad green leaves of a mango tree, to find a shallow, ankle-deep pond. A stone dais juts out of the water in the center, an arcane sigil carved onto its surface. The sigil glows. Wind and weave compress. A bird takes flight from a guava tree as the air above the dais shimmers, contracts, and then bursts with magic. And glistening into existence, suspended in the dust of magic, are five monster hunters. Oka, Jaran, Sitlali, Gentle, and Mercy. What do the five of you do?
Oka hates the feeling of transportation magic, and they like they like stumble forward, uh, and they kind of uh, catch themselves, do a quick pat down to make sure they're all there. Then they straighten, remember where they are, <clears throat> and glance around this private garden. Was that not to your liking, your highness? Oh, we have been doing this all morning, Sitlali. I, it's much better than taking the heavenly road all the way here and wasting time. Well, I didn't have a problem with it. I was asking if you did. Oka frowns and pointedly ignores them. Although I do think that they, uh, I think that Dr. Lusa was able to help them uh, figure out the activation phrase so they are no longer wearing their crown. Although I think there is like a, a line in their hair because they had been wearing it for several days. You know, like when you wear a hat for too long or your glasses, it's kind of like your hair gets pressed down a little bit. There's like a little circle in the back of yeah, their Yeah, they have head. like a crown yeah. tan. <laughs> it's very unflattering. Jaron, how are you teleporting into existence? Dron is not a magic user. He is not in tuned with the weave like at all, really, beyond like the average person. So I think for for them it feels probably equally as weird as for Oka, if not more strange as a sensation. And uh, I don't think he like stumbles as he comes out of it, but he looks green, like more so than his like scales are green. But he looks like he's gonna like just like throw up any moment now. So he kind of like takes some takes a moment. And it's like. You were sure that we had to take that route? It's the fastest way to get here. We we have things to do, although we are early. Where are we, anyway? Oka looks around. I don't... Can we roll to see if we know where we are? Before we do, Gentle, how are you zapping into existence? I think I'm honestly doing fine. It just feels on brand for Gentle to be like, like a little... It was a little weird, but like... Especially seeing that other people are handling white, whereas Gentle's just like, hey, are you okay? Do you, like, I have like a mint, I have a little bit of mint if you need some. It might help settle your stomach a little bit. Yeah, Gentle, that would actually be really good. Oh, well, perfect. Um, so I made it into like a little medicine ball of candy, but uh, here you go. And I offer one to you. Thanks. And Jeron just kind of pops it into his mouth. Uh, Oka, would you like one too? It's 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 not a stomach thing. It's a recently stitched together soul thing. The fact that we just untethered and then retethered. It's and Oka looks around the room trying to find a way out of the conversation. Yeah, uh, as all of you look around, Mercy is also she has been very quiet ever since zapping in. Uh, similar to Jaron, she's just sort of clenching her fists at her sides and just staring at like a toucan that's like perched on a guava tree, staring back at her, and she's just like quivering and staring at it, like willing herself not to be sick. I think. Um, so as all of you just look around this area. For like a hot second, if you're not familiar with Dabathati, it's like, are you in the middle of a jungle? Like, what's happening? Is this Nabal? Did you overshoot? Are you in Clothal? Like, cause this is like, it's like really tropical. It doesn't feel wintry at all. But then like beyond the gaps in the leaves, you sort of see like the edges of the interior of the Senate house, right? sprawling courtyards, huge like hallways with these like beautiful lattice stone uh, walls, right? Uh, and like various like spiraling, like huge towers and parapets and these bulbous tops. You see those in the near distance. So it's interesting to me that we didn't teleport into an office or into the middle of the Senate house. Is this teleportation circle like hidden 
in this room? Yes, it does seem to be. Uh, you notice that there's sort of like uh, on the fringes of this area, like black rope, just sort of roping off this little private garden. And I think you you all like teleported here like a night early, right? You're supposed to teleport here like the morning of, but maybe Oka, you were like, let's just get here early, get you know, get our bearings, make sure we're prepared. And this is not like Konso Bataval's private office. This seems to be like under her purview though. And you, you all see that sign that I mentioned earlier, but it's written in Talmadi, which I think gentle, can read, and I'm not sure who else. Everyone except Sitlali can basically read that this is like Konso Bataval's private garden. And for whatever reason, she sort of seemed to have hidden the teleportation platform here instead of putting it in her office or in a more central location for the Senate. Okay. Uh, not to be a priss, but when I said we were making, you know, teleportation circles for the Alliance of the Eight, I kind of figured we'd, uh... And Oka starts to step out of this garden area and, like, poke ahead kind of down these quiet hallways. I maybe thought we would get a reception even though we're early. Yeah, your boots sort of slosh through the water, this like ankle deep water that surrounds this pavilion. You step off of it and you start to push through like the big fronds and leaves of the fruit trees around you until you reach that like black rope. And beyond the rope, you see just like beautiful emerald green lawn and then like a, a series of huge hallways and doors and gates and whatnot. What about the rest of you? Veron also steps out and I think uh, heads towards one of these like large trees that are around and um, he's just kind of like examining the leaves and as he's doing that like kind of says back to Oka I don't know this seems kind of fancy I wasn't are you sure that we're in the right place this feels a little private I mean this is Talmud this is the senate house so Maybe they were going to make it nicer tomorrow. It doesn't really matter. We can get going, though. I assume subtlety is important to most people in power, but I wouldn't know as much about that as you would, your highness. I am going to pointedly ignore that. You just acknowledged oh, it. That's actually so funny you say that, though, because being second, I thought you'd know a little bit about power. It seems you have a lot to learn. I hope Mercy's been teaching you. I've been teaching Mercy some things. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you. Mm -hmm. uh, you know what? Let's uh, let's move on. <clears throat> and Mercy sort of, I think, swats at the toucan who does not take flight from the tree. <clears throat> she sort of like coughs <laughs> to regain her dignity, and she like very like stridently steps off the platform, splashes through the ankle deep water, and joins Jaron and Oka. Sit, Lolly. I assume you you also walk off the platform during your banter with Oka. Yeah. How tall is Oka again? Five foot nine. Okay, so Lolly is like five ten. <laughs> I hate this for me, and I hate this for them. Oh my god. Okay, Gentle, how are you managing this? Uh, I'm just walking along with everybody. I'm not pointedly going to walk on top of the water. Uh, I don't feel like running. But I just sort of catch up to Mercy. Do you need a mint as well? That nope, help? nope. I'm good. I've gathered myself. Uh, this is it's been a while. I mean, I guess a couple weeks at this point since we've been in Davathati and whoa. And Mercy cuts herself off as she looks over her shoulder and you all see as soon as Gentle comes off the dais, there's like a shimmer uh, and you feel a pull of the weave as like illusion magic washes over the pond and like conceals the existence of the dais. So it just looks like a pond. Like I said, subtlety. I thought this Alliance stuff was, like, public knowledge. It is. I guess I'm glad I didn't bring the elk. 
What did you call that thing again? Baby? Elky? What was it, Jaron? Something stupid? It's Sitara, Mercy. What's... Oh, like Star? Yes. Wait, you speak Morosi? I have a... Had a girlfriend from Morose. Unless you, you all forgot. That doesn't mean that you can speak the language, though. Well, I mean, we said she taught me a few words, and star is a pretty common and docking word. Just we don't no have to keep talking just... about this. Nope. Mm-mm. Mercy sees the look on Sitlali's face uh, and says, you know what? Oka, lead us out of here. Uh, Yeah, let's go. And Oka starts making their way down the hallways. They're, they lived in Talmud for a while. They lived in Dabathati, but they never really went to the Senate house. And I think they specifically skipped out on the awards ceremony when they were here. So I don't actually think they've ever been in this building before, but they are trying their damnedest to look competent and like they know exactly where they're going. Roll survival. Check. <laughs> roll, roll insight against Oka's survival. <laughs> Let's see. What'd you get, Oka? This does not bode well. Uh, actually, it's not so bad altogether, but it's only a 14. Sitlali, what did you get? 28. Oka has no idea <laughs> where they are or where they're going. They're just sort of like doing their best to find like a hallway uh, and maybe a, a door over there. I think you're all sort of like tromping over the lawn um, at this point, And you're all, <laughs> it's like a very funny moment because there's nothing else around, just the lawn. Uh, and like sort of like that little like grove of, of roped off fruit trees. And then around the lawn are like a, a series of corridors. So Oka, where do you lead your party? Oka looks between the left, the center, and the right corridor. And everything happens in threes. So which one is Vinash's corridor? The, the reddest one. That is the one that they head toward. That one. Okay. <laughs> Silali, you see Oka just just pick a god and pray and like head toward Vinash's corridor. I think Silali turns to Mercy and goes, So do you have any other axes in Dabathati other than Ravi or is it just are there any you've remembered since you know you have a thing about forgetting axes and Oh no, no 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 other axes, I promise. Just Ravi. Okay. I you know, we left things on pretty relatively good terms, right? Lest we were here. I mean, she did call it my entire life, but shut up, Oka. Shut it. What? She does. No, she doesn't. We go way back, okay? You little brat. Oka shoots a dirty look over their shoulder. Lost little brat by the looks of it. I'm not lost. I know exactly where I'm going. Where are we going? Out of here. Out of here. Mm -hmm. Have I seen any windows? Oka, we've been walking for a few minutes now, and then you end up in front of the same garden. Have we passed any windows, Connie? I'm desperate to know. Uh, make a luck check. Roll a d20. 13. Lucky yes. Number. Yes. As you wind up in front of the same roped-off private garden, off to your right, you see a little window. Maybe like two corridors off to your right. Good. There. That's our way out. We're going to exactly jump out the window? For. That's the way out of the Senate house. You've somehow gotten worse at lying. V said I got better. I think V's a good liar, though. Hmm. I've met better. Okay, I don't know where the fucking stairs are. I've never been here before. Okay, I don't know why we... Can I just make a perception check? Go for it. All right, that is a 16. 
16. Uh, you see the window that Oka spotted maybe like two corridors over. Uh, and you also you also know that that window just leads deeper into the compound. And like maybe like your eyes are like drawn toward like the like the other side of the corridor uh, in the direct opposite direction of where Oka is trying to lead your party. And you get the sense that like that's like your, maybe your ear perks and you hear like the hustle and bustle of Dapathati beyond like the big parapets and the huge walls uh, of the Senate house coming from your left instead of your right. We, we could try the left instead. Left it is. Do I have to lead the way? I, I mean, I can. I don't know where I'm going either, but uh, and gentle just sort of start walking a little anxiously. These are, as we're kind of walking around though, these are Consul Batavall's wing. Is this, is that where we are? Well, you decided to go down Vinash's wing, so you've walked a little farther away from the garden. But you get the sense that as you continue to walk and follow Gentle, that the Senate House is kind of like a triangle divided into thirds. At each corner of the triangle sort of like leads into a different district. So the particular direction that Gentle is headed in is the district of Siraksha. Uh, which is Kanto uh, Batavol's district, uh, with like the darker, like blackened, I think, uh, tile work, because black is is the color of, of Siraksha here. I can't believe you literally chased me across Andake if we are having a hard enough time getting out of this building. To be fair, we had uh, Unmei's water to help us find you. Who is Unmei again? Uh, one of my Ron looks over at Mercy. You don't have to worry about her. She's, she's, she likes water. She's also an emissary. No, we don't have to. Not so Mercy's ex. Yes. Oka stops walking. You, you fucked an emissary? No. I made love to an emissary. We never. Stop it. Uh, uh, And Oka walks faster. Made love, babe, really? I, I don't want to. Fuck is such a vulgar word about Unmei. She's. I mean, it's. I'm sorry. We don't have to keep talking about my ex. Would you use it about me? Of course. Yes. All words about intimate relations I would use with you. Okay, is down the hallway, like with their hands and like like la 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 la. Yeah, just d- down the hallway. So I'm not holy enough to... Okay, I get it. I get it. And then I That's keep not, walking. I, you contain multitudes, Sitlali. You're everything. I would use all the words for you. And Mercy's like like bustling after you. And I think it's sort of like this, that um, the five of you finally find a way out of the Senate house, I think. You pass various confused looking senators and statespeople and a couple of like day watch and night watch guards. None of them stop you, right? But they do look at you like a couple of them quirk their heads at you, a couple of them narrow their eyes, right? But no no one goes toward their weapons or whatever. Y'all just look kind of weird running around in the Senate house. And eventually, I think you reach the gates of Saraksha. Uh, these huge, like, obsidian-plated, like, massive archways uh, with these, like, beautifully ornamented doors that are, like, flung open with, like, several members of the Night Watch standing guard on either side. Uh, and the five of you spill out, like, past this huge archway that's at least, like, 50 feet wide into the district of Siraksha proper. Uh, where, of course, as always, Dabathati is a mountain stronghold, so there's no there's no open sky above the capital, right? It's like darkened ceiling, like thousands of feet 
like up into the air, but like occasionally there are cracks that like allow some like light to shaft and filter through. There's like glowing orbs of light just floating all around and of course flickering light from torches mounted in sconces and whatnot. And I think the five of you begin to make your way through the market district of Saraksha. Even though it's uh, the eventide is pulling in, because we're inside the confines of the city, presumably safe from empty beasts, people are out and about. People are buying things at market stalls. And Oka, uh, something you notice that's very different from when you were first here in Dabathati is there's just tons of people. There's maybe twice or three times as many people as you remember when you first came here. Take one step and there's like 10 people there like brushing up against you, like looking at like fish stalls and markets, like perusing goods and whatnot. What do the four of you do? Now that they're actually into a place that they know, Oka is trying to navigate us correctly to the mines, uh, which I remember is in the far, far back of the city. And as they go, I think they're saying something along the lines of, excuse me, pardon me. And I think it would be good for us to get in touch with Ravi. She, go ahead, as they let like an ox cart pass, you know. I sent her a letter about the person we're looking for, the puzzle piece. She hasn't responded, but it was only a few weeks ago when we were in. Okay, go ahead. Thank you. Stepped on my toes. But she knows everyone in this city, although maybe she's a little bit fucking late. There's so many people here. Does Ravi know that we're coming? Not exactly. I sent her a letter a few weeks ago, and I told her that I'd be here soon. So maybe soon is sooner than she thinks soon is, considering how slowly I used to travel. But considering we just popped into Dabathati, I think she'll be happy to see us either way. Maybe not you, though, Mercy. Uh, I think it's, it'll be fine. We're good. I'm, I'm on good. I'm on fine terms with all of my exes. We've resolved that, didn't we, Hounds? Not one of them all did of them. stab you. Ravi wasn't one of the ones who tried to kill Mercy, though, so I think I think we're okay. There you There's go. There's someone I would like to kill, but we can revisit that later, I suppose. Yes, Shriang, we can. She's. We'll just leave her in on the island. She's fine. Dead eventually, yes, but. What island? It's a long story. A Let's not get into it. immediately oh. starts walking faster. Just as soon as Oka says that. Come on, I think I think we're headed that way, and I think Jaron just goes in the wrong direction. No, no, love, uh, this, uh, and Oka kind of r- runs after a little, pulls his hand in the right direction. Uh, this way. That's the way out of the city. Right, yeah. I knew that. But Lolly just has a shit-eating grin and is make, like attempting to make direct eye contact with Jaron. Tron is avoiding all eye contact with Sitlali and with Oka as well. Like, they're just, like, looking out into the crowd, trying to just, just... <laughs> Have... I thought you said that you've been to Dabathati. You're looking around like you've never seen this place before. I just... It's been a long time since we were here last, and it looks different. There's that symbol everywhere now. And Jaron just kind of points to, I think, like, maybe somebody who's uh, walking by and, like, on their clothes is st- uh, stitched into it is the symbol of the chrysalis. We didn't see that the last time we were here. That is the chrysalis. Oh. is That's the, um, the... The death cult? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, right. V mentioned that they were helping people in Dabathati, and then... 
And then bringing them to the basement where they turn them into monsters to feed the stranger. Yeah, that's what they're doing. Right. Also, you know, hiring assassins to kill all the paragons and my Maybe that's not a conversation to have in public. I say making a perception check, woo. Okay, make that perception check, woo. So that's a natural 20. Oh my god, what? Okay, uh, so... Um, I, my total was thir- is 30. It's 30. 30? Yeah. God, you perceive that Sitlali as you stand there in the middle of the market stall. You get the sense that you're being piloted by someone else, and all of this is just a simulation uh, of a bunch of friends sitting around a table playing a game. No. Uh, so, as they stop. Uh, as soon as, you know, Jerron, you've been noticing just with your passive perception the chrysalis symbols everywhere. You've also been noticing that there are about two or three times as many people here as when you and Mercy and everyone else was last here. You also notice a bunch of flyers everywhere. Plastered on like rock, uh, pasted on people's doors, hanging off of the bunting of market stalls. Flyers advertising an event coming up very soon known as the Chrysalis Conference. Uh, and it's scheduled to take place inside the the center of the Senate House, uh, mm. basically where all of the senators converge to like vote and talk about stuff. Mm-hmm. If there's a loose one, I would love to grab one. You can definitely grab one. There are tons. Cool. Uh, you also notice with your natural twenty that every now and then there are little stalls or little like sign up booths operated by people in like these green robes uh, with the chrysalis symbol stitched to their backs. You notice that people are like flocking to these booths because these booths offer free food and free water and free tea and whatnot and like you know occasional like like toiletries and whatnot and and medical supplies and in return all they ask for is people's signatures on a contract. And there's just lots of people, you know, like flocking to these booths, signing contracts, taking free food. If, if I remember correctly, the last time we were here, there were like people in similar robes on like literal soapboxes preaching. Are there any of those around? Yes. Not as frequent as the booths, but as you mm-hmm. continue to walk and Jerron is like striding away and like looking, looking at the chrysalis symbols everywhere. All of you, I think at this point, hear like a kind of like high strained voice, a reedy voice cutting above the hubbub of the market area, uh, just saying stuff like, are you tired of the way you look? Are you sick of how the eight have abandoned you? Do you believe in the power of the chrysalis? Then join us today. We'll give you everything your hearts desired in the wake of the cataclysm. The chrysalis will not abandon you. And you all see like a kind of squeaky looking satyr uh, on top of a literal soapbox uh, next to like several market stalls selling like vegetables and fish. And there's like a decent crowd gathered there. And instead of holding rotten vegetables to hawk uh, at this person on the pulpit, people are listening. People are nodding. Their arms are crossed. You know, a couple of them are flocking and taking flyers that uh, two other Christmas members are, are passing out at the base of the pulpit. As we pass by them, I think Jerron, um still walking pretty quickly, but like starts to slow down as this preacher, as we approach this preacher. And like, I assume uh, Oka's still like holding their hand and like dragging them along. So they're not like stopping, um, but they are just gonna kind of like crane their head and like grab a flyer from one of the chrysalis members. What are you doing? I wanna see what this is about. 
You want to get turned into empty monster food? No, but I, if we want to learn more about the empty monsters, what better place to start? It, look, it looks like they're having a conference. A conference of some sort. Yes, a conference so that they can get more, what do they call it? Grass to turn people into goo. Have I mentioned okay. that? Okay, okay, but, but, if we go, we can figure out how exactly they're doing that. And then use that information to stop them. It was pretty simple the last time I asked V. They feed them to the monsters in the basement. I still think that, I still think it could be useful. I agree with Jaron. Thank you, gentle. Uh, and Jaron will uh, pointedly look at Oka. Oka has this interesting look on their face. They're stubborn and an asshole all the time, but there's also something like kind of intense, like maybe over intense for the idea that you could possibly take a flyer where they look like agitated in not even a rage way, but in a fear way. Uh, and they just kind of frown Look at the poster in your hand, look back up at you, and turn on their heel, and... Come on. Let's keep going. Nothing to see here. I think Sitlali stops to listen for a little. I'll wait with Sitlali, at least. That way we're not split up. Sitlali, uh, as you stand there, sort of just, like, taking a beat to watch this satyr person upon their soapbox preach, and, like, the other Chrysalis members at the base passing out flyers, one of them actually catches your eye in the crowd. One of the people passing out flyers, a very like kind-faced tiefling woman, actually. And she steps forward and like holds out a flyer specifically toward you and says, uh, sibling, you look lost. Would you like to be found? Depends on what type of found we're talking about. We offer all types of salvation, sibling. What ails you? Oh, you know, a little of this, a little of that. Mm. Well, here, she pushes, like, the flyer at you very insistently, but with a big smile mm -hmm. on her face. I'll take it. Yeah, as you take it, she the smile, like, widens even more, showing, like, these bright, gleaming teeth. Uh, and she says, you know, before the cataclysm, I was a devout priestess of Yudabathi. I, in particular, venerated Saraksha. Protection, because, I mean, who wouldn't? But after the cataclysm, of course, I, I felt my connection with her sever and break. She wouldn't answer my prayers. None of Yudabathi would. Yudabathi themselves went silent. And then the chrysalis came and well, I signed their papers. I heard their good words and I... Well? And she lifts her hand and you see a little bit of digitation magic. You recognize it immediately. Like sparkle out of mm. her fingers and sort of like wrought this little illusion of like Yudabathi's three heads in sort of like a holographic way. And it sparkles. Mm -hmm. My magic's back. That's incredible. I can't imagine what that must be like. Um, is it all back? Is it is it different? How, what well, does it feel like? I, I must prove my faith to the chrysalis. Uh, this little cantrip's little magic is easy, but if I want more, if I want to go back to the way I was, I just have to prove my devotion. That's all the chrysalis asks for, devotion. That's all? That's all. And of course, it helps if we get more members <laughs> into our fold, recruit more children of the chrysalis. Is that what they call themselves, children of the chrysalis? That's what we call ourselves, sibling. What was your name? Grace. Of course it is. Well, Grace, perhaps I'll be seeing you soon. 
I would love that. And your name? Joy. Joy. You certainly look the picture of Joy. And we would love to have you join our ranks, Joy. I look forward to seeing you at the conference then. Yes. I think I'll certainly be there. Fantastic. Oh, and, and your friend can come along too. And Grace turns to face Gentle and like sort of like shoves shoves a flyer at Gentle. Um, sure. Thank you. Um, so I do have a question actually. Certainly. Um, you said you like to like help people. Yes. Um, that is the gospel of the chrysalis. We help those in need. Did you know that after the cataclysm, when the Senate was still trying to vote on the best laws to help people, but our people were starving in the streets, who stepped up? Who opened up soup kitchens? Who passed out food? Who provided shelter and clothing and warmth? The chrysalis. And who helped the heroes of Dabathati quell the rage? The chrysalis. One of our own, one of our priests, gave his life to help stop the rage. You don't need to ask permission to speak, sibling. You can just speak. Hmm. I understand feeling more seen, but couldn't you have made all of those advancements in the name of Yudabathi? Well, you see, Yudabathi wasn't the one who gave me my magic back. Yudabathi wasn't the one who whispered in the ear of our great Imago to find the way forward, how to find bread and shelter and fish and soup and coffee and wine for those who were lost. It wasn't Yudabathi. It was the chrysalis. Fair, but couldn't you have done that without needing the, necessarily needing the aid to guide you, just by the act of wanting to help people alone? Well, certainly. But it's hard to help people when you can't help yourself. And that's exactly what the chrysalis does. It helps us help ourselves so that we might help others. If I have my magic back, think of all the good I could do. As a cleric, my passion is healing the sick and helping the elderly. And I can't really, I can do that without magic, but it's harder. With the chrysalis on my side, giving me strength, I could help so many more people than I can without magic. Don't you agree? I mean, functionally, that's not wrong, but I do think that losing faith in your ability to help people when you lose things that are close to you may not necessarily be the best. I mean, I don't have magic, but I am an herbalist and I can help people without that. That's very beautiful. And you know, you should come to our conference. And if you would like, uh, part of the events that we have is an open stage uh, for anyone to ask questions of our Imago before he performs his one of the final miracles that will stop the cataclysm. You must tell me more about this miracle. What do you know? Well, you should come to our conference to find out, sibling. I'm afraid I can't tell you everything. After all, I only learned of these miracles after I'd proven my devotion. Yes, but Grace, you already know I'm going to be there. Just give me a little taste, a little hint. Well, there are three. That's all I can say. Here. Uh, And she hands... Like, she, like, stuffs the flyer at Gentle and goes, Oh, oh, and you, sibling, and turns to, like, someone else in the crowd and starts going up to them and trying to convert them. I think as she does, Sitlali grabs her hand and leans in a little bit. Uh, Oh! Just remember a saying I've heard in my travels. Magic doesn't make the person. It's what you do with it that does. Oh, That's a beautiful saying. Thank you so much for sharing it with me. 
You're welcome. Uh, if I might add, Joy, uh, as you sort of like turn, like you let go of her, you turn, but she she like does the thing, like she like grabs you for one last word. Um, I I think I am inclined to agree with you. It is what you do with your magic that counts. But well, if you don't have any magic, there's no question to begin with, is there? Being alive is its own form of magic. I agree. And I would love for you to share your perspective. We welcome all kinds of perspectives here during the conference. You don't have to pitch me anymore, Grace. You already have me. (laughs) I'm not trying to pitch you. No, 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 no. This isn't a sales tactic. I'm just trying to spread the gospel of the chrysalis. Is the gospel written down anywhere? You know what? Let's just... uh, It's a lolly, gentle... Oh, oh, Gadron, wait, hold on. We're losing them, and... I know how to get to Ujval, but uh, let's not break the party so early. Come on. Okay. Uh, it was nice talking to you, Grace. It was nice talking to you as well. I didn't catch your name. It's Gentle. Gentle. I'm Grace. What a beautiful name. I hope to see you at the conference. And bye, Joy. It was so wonderful to meet you. Bye. It was see you so soon. lovely to meet you as well. We'll see you Saturday. Chrysalis, bless you. And Mercy just sort of mutters, these fucking freaks. Uh, Nothing like a good death cult to really make Dabathati come alive, huh? Subtlety is really not your strong suit, is it, darling? What? Don't use real names. Oh, shit. Oh. she heard? It didn't seem like it. Can I... Can I roll to see if it seemed like she noticed? <laughs> yeah, why don't you roll an inside check on Grace as you're, like, moving away to see if Grace, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mercy, yeah. 27. Based on the broad smile on her face, uh, but, the you know, the fact that she addressed you still as Joy, gentle is gentle mm-hmm. is gentle, introduced himself as gentle, uh, on the surface, it seems like she didn't hear, but you do notice, like, a little glimmer of recognition in her eyes as she waves you off, and you get the sense that it registered with her, but she's choosing to use the names you addressed mm. her with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, babe, we should do fake names when we're on recon missions and we don't know what type of cult we're dealing with specifically. Ah, oh, shit. I'm sorry, you're right. Subtlety really isn't my strong suit. That's why you're my second. No. You patch up the holes that I don't have and I patch up the holes that you don't have. That's one way to put it. Am I- Can I use my real name? Well, you already did, gentle, so we can say it's short for Gen... Gentilalium, hmm? And that's your real name. Gentilalium. I don't like how that sounds, I'll be honest. Uh, sorry, I'm not really good at improv or coming up with things on the spot. Hey, no, Oka, you're Jaron. not. Slow down. And Oka and Jaron, let's cut to the two of you, actually, uh, as Sitlali, Gentle, and Mercy have been observing the chrysalis. I think Oka is now kind of looking at a little bit more intensely through the crowd. And I think they actually throw their hood up, like up, like over their face, uh, almost like their Costas trying to hide in it. And they're like really uh, same intensity as they're trying to find somewhere that is not packed with chrysalis people, but they can't do it. And they are just keeping their head like down and low and are no longer kind of striding through with the same familiarity. They're just like peeking up out of the corner of their hood to figure out which way they're going and going as fast as they can. Okay, okay, slow down. Where where are we going? We're going to the mines where the crystals isn't. Okay, but what about the rest of the hounds? We're leaving them behind. Mercy knows where she's going. Okay, but why, why are you hiding? Why am I hiding, Tron? 
and they stop. I think they stop in the middle of the crowd and they turn and they like pull him in really close because I killed their speaker and because they're a death cult trying to kill me and bring about the end of Andake. Aren't you the reason that they even have all of this support in Damathati? Do you think that's worth something? I am not the reason. It was all fucking V. Okay? I'm just trying to fix her fucked up mistake. I never wanted this. I never wanted Shaka to come with us into those fucking mines, and I'm glad he's a puddle of goo now. Okay, 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 okay. Breathe. The people in the street, they probably don't even know who you are. It seemed there's so many, there's so many people here. Okay, I'm sure that they haven't noticed that you're here. I hope so. And, John, I think that's also the first time that... Uh, when they came back from Toulon, the mission statement was that they fixed the problem. That the Paragon Killer and the Handler were no longer a problem, and that they were dead. Oaken never said that they killed them. And they turn and keep walking. I think Jaron realizes, like, a beat too late what Oka had said, and they, like, put out a hand to, like, stop Oka, but then stop themselves, register it in their head, like, processing it, and then they just kind of, like, walk alongside Oka. They slip their hand into Oka's, and they give it a tight squeeze. And... They look up from the corner, like, underneath the hood, and it's, I think, the eye with the red lightning bolt in it, which is maybe still also unfamiliar, but they look up. But there is a grateful look, and they squeeze back. And then I think finally, once they come to an intersection, they stop and wait for the rest of the hounds. Uh, I think all of you converge at that intersection, sort of toward the toward the back of Dabathati. Uh, the sound of like the pounding of water, the gushing of a waterfall, the gurgling of a stream, sort of like bubbling underneath the chitter and chatter of voices just echoing off the mountainside. Sitlali, Gentle, and Mercy, the three of you catch up with Oka and Jaron waiting for you at this crossroads, uh, surrounded by shadows lengthening uh, as evening stretches closer. Oh, there you are. Sorry we took so long. Uh, Sitlali, I mean, Joy and Gentle and I were just... We were just gathering intel. Tell me that's not a pet name, please. Ew, what? No, it's, no. it's, it's Sitlali's mm. fake name. We all need code well, names, actually, right? It actually, I need a new one and probably a new face because she did register. She clocked me because you, um, my dearest, loving, wonderful... Mercy, um, you kind of ruined that one for me, so I have to start from scratch. I'm sorry, but hey, you're a changeling, so that should be pretty easy for you. It is. It's pretty easy. Wow, seems like this new second thing is going over really well. It is, actually. It is. Thank you for asking. Yeah. Uh, Oka, Oka, are you, is that why you look so No, forlorn? we're just going, no. It's because I miss Ravi so much. Let's go. Oh, Ravi. Okay, yep. Like I said, we're on good terms, so there should be absolutely no problems. Uh, while all this keeps happening for, like, the fifth time today, I just, like, go back to Duran and whisper in Morosi. I'm gonna be honest, I really missed this. Me too, Gentle. And I think, like, while Duran is saying that, he's, like, still holding Oka's hand and, like, 
Gives, gives Oka another squeeze. All right, you gay-ass motherfuckers. Let's go see my ex. You're pretty gay. I know, but I'm not gross about it like they are. Come on. Are you it's, kidding? It's, it's a slow burn romance that the two of you have been will they, won't they, and then you did, and then you broke up because of Cataclysm, and then Jaron loved you and then hated you, and now we're here, and we're great now. So I'm just saying, I'm allowed to be annoyed. I really want to roll what? insight exactly. on Mercy's <laughs> anti-slow burn tendencies. Yeah, what? Go ahead. Everyone's rolling insight this session, I guess. Go ahead. For once, so I just not... don't trust Mercy's energy on that. Um, let me see what I got. I rolled a 14. Let's add a 10 to that. So 24. Mercy seems, like, on the surface that she's, like, putting on a big show of being disgusted by Okanjaron's new lovey-dovey relationship. Uh, but, like, underneath it, you can tell that she's, like, genuinely happy for them, right? Like, the smile, like, there's, like, a little bit of a smile tugging at her, like, disgusted snarl, right? And, like, the edges of her face are softening just a little bit when she looks at them. But, like, she, she would die before she admits it. I just look at Mercy and I say, you're always a lot nicer than you act like, so... Huh? This makes what? sense. No, I'm not. I'm tough as nails, outside and in. No. F fuck off. We're going to Ravi. And Mercy just sort of like stalks off uh, in the direction of the mines toward the back of the capital. Uh, and I think on that, we cut to the Uchval Mines. So the Uchval Mines are at the very back of Dabathati, where the capital ends and the Godspine begins. Just this like huge wall, like maybe like half a mile wide, if not wider than that, and like thousands of feet tall, of just like various entrances into the Uchval Mines. Series of ropes and ladders, sometimes miners even sleep you know, against the cliffside like hikers do occasionally if like it's doing the night shift and they don't want to go all the way back down to the encampments at the base of the mines. Uh, these little shacks and tents, little outdoor fire pits, medical wards and whatnot for injured miners. Several dozen of these little shacks litter the base of the mine, the entrance to the mines. And there's a kind of like a low stone fence that just sort of like demarcates where the mine begins and Dabathati ends. And upon first glance, the mine seems to be pretty much the same. Like, as far as Dabathati goes, the most unchanged part of the capital. There's still a bunch of, like, grubby, soot-covered, dirty, you know, sweaty-looking miners sitting outside around campfires of roasting haunches of uh, animals, eating food, cooking, swapping stories, smoking, right? And the smell of like uh, hand-rolled cigarettes, tobacco, uh, as well as like roasting pots of coffee for the late night shift for the miners uh, just sort of suffuses the air as the five of you like come up toward the low stone fence. Oh, much better. And Oka throws their hood back down and is looking for any familiar faces. Mama Fish, Ibia, or ideally, Robbie. Yeah, I think I won't even ask you for a check here because you're very familiar with this area. Do you scan your double-peopled gaze uh, over the encampment? I think your eyes stick on a familiar cluster of shacks where you see, sure enough, her white belly and black fins uh, lit up by the glow of a campfire, Mama Fish, this orca person, uh, standing in front of like a fire, roasting like sticks of fish 
uh, the famous fish sticks that she makes next to a teen girl who's gotten a lot taller since the last time you saw her. Seems to have hit a growth spurt of sorts. Ibia. Uh, she's this kind of ragged, she was this ragged kind of Coraline looking kid. Uh, real, just all bean poles and limbs. And now she's even more of a bean pole and more of limbs, right? And she's sort of like salivating from the fish sticks and like just guzzling coffee. Uh, though you don't see Ravi around anywhere immediately. But you do see them before they see you. How's Vinash, actually? That's something I should maybe think about. How's Vinash? This entire time, ever since you teleported back into Dabathati, Vinash has been at like a slow roiling crackle. It was quite strong, actually, this and it's maybe why you chose, maybe even subconsciously, the Hall of Vinash to go down uh, when you were in the Senate House. It was most roiling when you were in the Senate House, and then it sort of died down when you left. But I think you were like so overwhelmed by the presence of the chrysalis that maybe you weren't completely in tune until this moment. Uh, but it's still at that like slow, steady, crackling royal. And as your eyes fall upon that site of trauma, I would say, uh, the entrance to the mines, there's a little sharp like sp- spark as Vinash also seems to recognize it, just sort of reverberating through your soul. Tiny, 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 just little one. And it just goes like kind of like sparking off their shoulder before they find the fish sticks. And then it's all, it's all fish sticks all the time. They go, fish sticks, fish sticks, fish sticks. And they start booking it, power walking, murmuring fish sticks. I think as they're going, uh, Sitlali is just kind of like leaned into Mercy, like, do you want to try pet name? Should we try that? Is that what? like a thing? Oh, I mean, I, f- mm, I think pet names should develop organically, right? Yeah, should, but like, would you like, them? yeah, but like, you'll say something you know like you know like i call you sweet one and darling those are pet names right well yeah in in a in a way do you want me to try some out sit lolly uh sit lollipop never mind forget it i Uh, didn't think i'm just and they just walk (laughs) right okay of course i didn't whatever uh (laughs) and mercy like books it after you oka leading the charge as soon as you like, you step past like the stone fence. You start approaching Mama Fish and Ibia. Mama Fish looks up, just kind of like randomly, casually glances up, and her big orca mouth drops open, revealing these lines of like orca-like teeth. Her her flippers go up. She like claps either side of her big head. She goes, Oka, and she like, there's like the the ground shakes and tremors as she like over the ground like toward you and before you can even react she just scoops you up into a massive bone crushing hug with her flippers and pulls you tight against her chest Oka, oh, Oka, it's been so long. Oh, and she like holds you out in front of her like you're a ragdoll with her flippers. How have you been? Because I think you'd only see their their feet like kicking out from underneath her fins, right? Down, down, put me down. She drops you from like six feet up into the air. I'm not that short. <laughs> okay, she drops you like a foot down onto the ground. Um, I forget. In my head, Oka is gnome sized. Uh, no, you drop onto the ground and. Mama Fish procures a fish stick just from like behind her back, like from out of her apron. Here, I'm roasting some fresh ones, but these are from this morning. They're still good though. 
Oh, no. You know oh. what? You deserve only the freshest fish sticks. And she she turns around, she hands the old morning fish stick to Ibia, who's like pulled up next to her and takes it. Ibia looks at you, sizes you up. Ibia is exactly the same size as you now. She's exactly as tall as you are. I literally can't believe you're bullying me in front of my friends right now. I can't believe you're bullying me in front of my friends. And Ibia says, hey, long time no see, loser. Huh, looks like you're still 12. Actually, I'm 15, dingus. That is not how years work, dingus. What? What? Did you forget my birthday? You haven't had three birthdays since I've been gone. Yeah? Well, Mama Fish says I get to count the cataclysm as two. Because of how traumatic it is. So it ages us all. So you'd only be 14. That's right. 14. And I'm still taller than you. You're not taller than me. You are actually weighed down by the metal that you're wearing. That's it's. I'm so glad you've taken such good care of it for me. And yeah, Evia has like the medal of like the saviors of Dabathati. And I, you get the sense that she has never taken it off ever since she put it on like almost a year ago at this point. It's like fused to the front of her like kind of like bird-like chest. Well, that's because Mama Fish and I did assist, we did, in stopping the rage. So you're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome. Mama Fish goes, Oh, Ibi, I just hug already. And she shoves the two of you together into like a crushing hug. She like forces the two of you to hug. Mama Fish, stop it. Oka hugs Ibia. She's like their little surrogate sibling. So they hug her first. You still smell nasty. That hasn't changed. Yeah, you smell like rock dirt. You smell like blood and failed dreams and shame. You smell like stale coffee and the shortest 14-year-old I've ever seen in my life. You smell like bad decisions and heartbreak and like your parents don't love you. Actually, I don't smell like heartbreak because this is my boyfriend. What? Jerron? Uh, hi. Yeah, Jerron. I remember you, uh, says Ibia as Mama Fish drops both Oka and Ibia. And you, and Ibia turns to you, sit lolly and gentle and mercy. I remember all of you. You guys came by shortly after Oka left, and you were asking all sorts of weird questions. I remember that. I've gotten taller since we met. I had a growth spurt. Hi. Um, again, you are about Oka height right now, so. Mm-hmm. I'm actually, I checked, I double-checked. I'm half an inch taller than Oka. I mean, I was going to say you're going to, yeah, at this rate, you're going to be taller than Oka either way, but. Hear that, Oka? Can you fly? No. So I'll always be taller than you. Uh, Oka, darling, I, I don't think this is a good look on you. What? You, she's so... You see this 13-year-old's eyes well up <laughs> with tears. <sighs> Mama Fish goes, uh, It's okay, Ibia. Oka's just joking around. I mean, if you ever want to fly, I could help with that, actually. Really? Yeah, no. Oh, these shoes I'm wearing, and I, like, gesture to my, like, boots with little, like, wings on the side. Yeah, these are, like, flying shoes, so... What? Like, if you ever want... Yeah! Wait, what? Oh, yeah, no, after the pirate ship incident, I, I like, went looking through the storage, and 
I found those. What, what pirate, pirate shirt incident? incident? Oh, uh, there was like a mean pirate uh, queen, and I happened to take uh, her boat. Mama Fish turns a discerning pure black eye upon Mercy and says, Was was this one of your exes, Mercy? Ravi's given me the list, and there was a pirate queen on that list. Now, 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 Mercy, what did we say about making good choices, especially now that you're in charge of other people? Mercy goes, where the fuck is Ravi? She's inside the shack. Fish sticks? Abia can have mine. I think Sitlali had been laughing quietly into Mercy's, like, shoulder um, that entire scene. And at the mention of Ravi having the list, they stopped. (laughs) And are just kind of looking at Mercy. So she has the list. The whole list. Sitlali, you've met every single person on that list at this point. There's no one else. Yes, but you didn't give me the list prior to. I, there was never a list. I was only ever going to make one for you. If Ravi has a list, it's because she decided to make one because she's obsessed with me. Uh, I wouldn't say she's obsessed with you, Mercy, necessarily. She does obviously still love you as a friend. As a friend. Uh, But I, I think she made the list more or less to, you know, make sure that, and Mama Fish's gaze falls upon the rest of the hounds. The other people you were traveling with wouldn't be inadvertently hurt by your past mistakes. Mistakes? Hey, hey, I've made some bad choices in my life, but dating other people was never a mistake for me. Like I said, Ravi's inside the shack. Here, have a fish stick, Mercy. It's good to see you again. And Mama Fish hands Mercy a fish stick, which she accepts reluctantly. (sighs) Damn, these are good. All right, let's go talk to Ravi. And Mercy, like, tries to exit out of this conversation, seems very eager to get away from Sitlali's line of questioning. Sitlali is on her heels. Uh, At that point, Mercy knocks on the door of the shack. Y'all hear footsteps approach, and then the knob turns and opens, and standing at the threshold is none other than an imposing hobgoblin woman. Ravi Jin. Her skin is crisscrossed with these, like, angry lightning scars, like, all over her body. Very similar to Zitlali's, I think, actually. Um, But I think hers are even, like, more intense and severe. The last time the hounds you were here, she was, like, actively recovering from the injury, had bandages on. At this point, the bandages have come off. uh, And the scars have, like, several layers of, like, healing over them. But she still looks kind of worse for the wear. Right, uh, and I think she's uh, leaning leaning on a cane as she approaches. Her tangled black hair, as always, shorn uh, short at the jaw, and she's heavily muscled. She narrows her eyes as she sees Mercy, and then her eyes like slip past a Mercy and see all of you. Mercy, good to see you. Oka, good to see you as well. It's been a long time. What's a few months between friends? Come here. Uh, Oka gives her a big hug. Yeah. Uh, Ravi sort of comes forward, hugs you as well, thumps you on the back kind of hard. Thump, thump. You feel Vinash like spark a little <laughs> as she thumps you. Come in, come in, come in. Not a lot of room in here, but we do have some privacy. Uh, she lets 
all of you come in uh, and Mercy closes the door behind her. And it's like this little shack, it's maybe about the size of like a, a mobile home, I wanna say, uh, just enough room for everyone to sort of pop a squat. And there's like a, a little table in the middle and like, that's it, right? And like some of you have to sit on the ground. There's like a single chair that Ravi sits down on and like a, a couch and that's it. Uh, Ravi settles down <clears throat> on the chair, which sort of squeaks as she like creaks into the leather. She like places her cane uh, horizontally down in front of her knees. Uh, and her eyes actually fall upon you, Sitlali, and the cane you're using. And I think the scars that come up like out of your throat and like up onto your face and your arms as well. So I take it that Vinash has uh, not exactly been kind to you and your friends, Oka. You know, Vinash. And Oka looks a little ashamed, I think. It's pretty easy to read on their face. Ravi clocks it. And she says, If anything about my memory back in the mind still serves, I can say pretty confidently it's not your fault, kid. That echo of a god is some pretty serious business. I don't blame you for not being able to control him. I do. That's because you're an idiot. Yeah, well, I'm also a paragon, so have to play a little smarter than that. Speaking of paragons, Oka, I got your letter telling me to look out for this uh, old woman, blood smells like too long in wine, perusing the goods here in Dabathati, what, a couple weeks ago? <clears throat> Ravi looks around and her eyes fall upon the edges of the shack where all of you notice like arcane sigils have been carved into the wood and the sigils are uh, for like a silence and like a non-scrying spell to provide like complete privacy within this shack. She looks back down at each of you and says, I've got news. Well, for starters, I know her. You know her? I knew it. I knew you would know her. I knew it. Why are you making that face? Uh... Well, I know her in a know-of-her sense. And she, uh, how to put this? That is what a few people know as Captain Dovrenier. She also goes by another name, Old Mama Lightning. She, uh, she's one of the captains of the Aurochs Guild. Ravi. This hobgoblin woman, muscled, scarred, veined, casts a severe gaze over your group, nodding grimly as shocked revelation settles over your faces. Yep, old Mama Lightning, paragon of Udabathi. She's a criminal, through and through, one of the worst of them, actually. Oka pinches their brow and just kind of puts their head in their hands. Fuck. Yeah. Listen. Shit, uh, shit's kind of whack right now in Dabathati. You probably noticed on your way in, the chrysalis are everywhere. They're powerful, and they're not going away anytime soon. Anyone who knows anything about how the underground here works, and I don't mean that in a literal sense, though sometimes I do, will be aware of the fact that there's something of a uh, turf war going on between the Aurochs and the Chrysalis. 
The guy in charge of the chrysalis calls himself the Imago, Adam. He, uh, he's really fucking the Aurochs over. For the longest time, uh, the consoles of Dabathati were in the pocket of the Aurochs guild. It's no surprise. But the chrysalis has bought two of them off. Hajvaz Sardot and Abramed Rahim. Vinash and Thristi. Are you with me? No, I am not. The only consul who remains on the Aurochs' side is Batavall. We have a meeting with her tomorrow morning. Good. Then you have an in with the Aurochs. I'm sorry, am I missing something? Why is a consul being in the pocket of the Aurochs' guild a good thing? I never said it was. It's just how things are. How things have always been. Ever since the Aurochs' guild sprung up a couple decades ago. I suppose better the devil you know than the one that you don't. Exactly. And as, you know, bad as the Aurochs gets, they never uh, feed people to monsters and desecrate their souls to uh, some sort of abominational beast that wants to destroy Andake. So you have been keeping up with the times. Obviously. It's my job. Best monster hunter in the Eight Realms. And Mercy says, second best monster hunter. I'd say maybe third. No? You claiming that title for yourself, boy? I mean, you know, Oka's been gone for a while. They're out of practice. I am not out of practice, actually. I'd say maybe fourth. Your blood smells different, Oka. I could tell as soon as you showed up at that door. You've been dabbling in... what? The Divine Triptych? I went home. Ah, yes, you did. Too long, where so many necromancers learn their art. And I think Sitlali perks up at that and kind of gives Oka a closer look than they have, pretending that they didn't look at their soul. Um, what is she talking about, necromancy, and you? I have been advancing my technique, as you taught me, Ravi. And it just so happens that blood is a part of the divine triptych in a funny way. Body. And while we were in Tsulong, I picked up a little bit of bone, too. In what way? In that I'm protecting myself from assassins' waste at Lolly. Didn't you say I had to do everything I could to stay alive? Yes, but we can argue about this later. Agreed. The finer points of necromancy are not a priority right now. That's uh, all the information I really have on Old Mama Lightning at this stage. The only people who would know more than me are the Aurochs, and Karishma's your in. This is a kind of a different topic, but... I don't have as much power over the miners or in the mines as I used to. I'm not foreman anymore. What do you mean you're not foreman anymore? Who? What? It wasn't because of my injury. It was because of fucking politics. I hate the chrysalis and I don't pretend to not hate them. Everyone else here, 90% of all the other miners are on the chrysalis' side. Your fucking friend V... 
Remember that promise she made to Tuva? I don't know if you recall. Before your group went into the mines to rescue me, free Vinash, and stop the rage, V made some offhand comment to these two miners outside who said they'd believe in anything if the rage stopped, including the chrysalis. And the rage stopped. So those two miners, one of them's Tuva. She's the foreman now. They've been running the show. Fasati, you fucking... We're gonna fix this. Somehow, we're gonna... Why is we it can't, here? We can't let... She's... Causing problems somewhere else, I'm sure. Of course she is. Not a good look for the person to have caused these problems to not even give a shit enough to come back and solve it. I said that I would fix it, and I will. I'm the one carrying Vinash. That's true. Well, old Mama Lightning's definitely in Davathasi. I don't know if Vinash can feel her or not, or what kind of a relationship you've developed with him, but she's here. And Oka gives kind of a sidelong look at Gentle. Good. We need to get into the Aurochs Guild anyway. I've been lightning focused since the word Aurochs Guild was said. Uh, and I've just been uncharacteristically, like, just single-minded listening to every word about it. Bravi seems to pick up on it, like, looks, you know, between you and Gentle and says, Hey, where's your, uh, wolf thing? Someone named Sybil, uh, in the Aurochs Guild took him. Sybil the Cruel? How they get huh? their hands on your wolf? I was too trusting. And I didn't know Sybil the Cruel was Sybil the Cruel. And How would you? Took Bud. So. Yeah. I didn't know Sybil the Cruel was Sybil the Cruel. I just knew Sybil was Sybil. But we, um... We, we, we don't have a history, but we... It's Wait, his... you knew the person that stole Bud? In a different life, one might say. Got it. And let me guess, this happened... Mercy, did you take the hounds to, what, Nabal? Yeah, actually, how did you know that? Well, word on the street is Sybil the Cruel went down to Nabal uh, with old Mama Lightning to help tie up some uh, negotiations with the Kusin Guild. A bunch of Kusin Guild members are actually in Dabathati. They've been incorporated into Aurochs. It's their way of bolstering their numbers against the Chrysalis. And since Bloodthirst is... Dead? Yeah. And I hear that the uh, champion of the ball was quite eager to purge their streets of uh, criminal activity, so they handed over the keys to the criminal kingdom without much uh, fuss. That cane, huh? Noble intentions, but what a dumb move. I think it might have been for the best. You don't know who to trust these days. I mean, they were mentored by Bloodthirst. Yeah, they also killed Bloodthirst in the end, so... They did. Which only proves that they are willing to backstab the people closest to them. That's beside the point. Or it... it doesn't matter. What is it, Oka? Why are you so hung up on this? It's... It also means that they made a change in who they wanted to be. Ravi just sort of looks at you for maybe five seconds. And then she says, you fucked, didn't you? 
Shut up, Ravi! Of course you did. T take after mercy. Just fucking and trucking wherever you go. When are you ever going to I... think with your brain instead of your... And like, <laughs> Mercy just cuts in saying, Okay, that's enough. That's enough. Anything else you can tell us, Ravi? Anything at all? That depends. Got any more questions? You know where Sybil the Cruel likes to hang out these days? Queen's Gambit. Gambling parlor. Also where, a friend for that? a monster fighting pit. Got where it. is that? Sadaksha. The uh, quad is what it's called. It's a quadrant of just uh, pleasure palaces, hookah parlors, gambling parlors, what have you. I... You don't happen to know if I'm still Miss Saram's champion? Ah, Lady Saram, Lady Saram, Lady Saram. She's sent her men to the mines to ask after you, after you and that big half-orc you were traveling with left. Apparently you'd promised some automatons to her and never paid up. I was a little busy. After coming out of the mines, I kind of forgot to get the smashed automatons before the mountain caved in. Well, Lady Saram is a lot of things, but she is not someone who lets go of a grudge easily. She's stopped knocking on my door when she realized I was telling her the truth and saying, I don't know where the fuck you went off to. But if you do end up talking to the Aurochs and she's there, you better have a good excuse or something to give her. She wants that debt paid. Maybe we can craft some automatons to bring to her. Are you an inventor, Jaron? No, but I spoke to one earlier. Right, the that makes it the same thing. All. This is not... That's... You're tall. That's on the other side of the god spine. Yes, gentle. Um, if what's returning to Sybil, um, if I happen to enter, let's say, the fighting pit, could I potentially gain an audience with Sybil? There's an easier way to get an audience with Sybil. And what might that be? I owe her a drink. Go. Jerome looks over at Mercy at that. Mercy, arms crossed over her broad chest, sort of looking at Sitlali from like the corner of her eye, says, You know, uh, good idea, Sitlali. You will set up a drink with Sybil, and I and Gentle and Jeron and Oka will be waiting to uh, ambush your date. Or I go on what is definitely not a date, and we just have a little bit of a brokering. We just figure it out and um, figure 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 it out. What if I think what I if can... there are questions that I can think of that you can't think of in the moment that we want to ask Sybil? Don't you think that I think I I think at least the leader of the Hounds of Mercy should be at every Hounds of Mercy related event. I think that um, in matters that don't necessarily always pertain only to the Hounds of Mercy, um, your the Hounds of Mercy second should be able to uh, have some authority and auto autonomy over um, their missions, because I would really like to get Bud back, and I think the easiest way would just be to talk 
Giuseppe, uh, just talk. Yes, yes Bud Giuseppe. is definitely the priority here. Uh, but you know what yes. else is a priority? Uh, maintaining professional boundaries and strong and healthy work relationships. And I think one of the ways to maintain those boundaries is if I, perhaps you could even, I could pretend to be someone else. Uh, I could, I could, we could go as a couple uh, and Sybil could be the third on this date and we could be interviewing Sybil to see if they would make a good third in our couple and I could be involved in that way. And that's a professional working yes, relationship. Yes, shut up. I don't like Sybil. Me neither. I know you don't, and that's fine. That's why I'm going to do this for you, gentle. I appreciate it, but is that I would why you're doing like it to get Bud back? Are you are you doing it for gentle? Going why on a date would I be with doing it? Mercy? I I mean, there just seems to be. I mean, you asked me earlier if I had any other exes in Dabathati, and I said no, and I was telling the truth. And obviously, you have an ex in Dabathati. We are all aware of this, and I, we, I just want to... Uh, we, uh, we talked with about ex. Sybil. We, we have, talked about Sybil. Yeah, we did. We did talk about Sybil. Yeah, I, I literally... Like insight about the nature of this uh, drink with Sybil. Okay. Said Lolly, would you like to roll deception or performance? You also do not have to. I will make a roll. Okay. You first. 26. Mm-hmm. 28. So what is the I nature? I also have 20 in wisdom. <laughs> it's our two high wisdom PCs going head to head. Sit Lolly, what is the nature of this drink? Your true motives. All of them. Maybe you have multiple. It is to get Bud back. It is also to flirt with Sybil, but it is to get Bud back. They do legitimately think that this is the easiest way. They just also get something out of it. Just look at Sitlali. No other uh, reason, just for Bud? Just for Bud, Mercy. Okay, Sitlali, if, if you say it's just for Bud, if you look me in the eye and say that's all it is, then okay, fine. I'll let go of my insecure whatever, and you can go on this fake date with Sybil and get information. Just for Bud? Maybe we should talk later. Ravi sort of looks between Mercy and Sitlali as like the tension sort of builds and strains, and then Ravi just sort of cuts in and says, <clears throat> it's, uh, it's getting late. The five of you should probably get some rest if you're going to take that meeting with Consul Batavall in the morning. I knew you'd have good info for us. I'm glad we decided to come early. Yeah, me too. Get your bearings. That's always a smart play. Where did you teleport in from? You said you had some sort of circle set up. Uh, it was a secret. It's secret. Okay, you don't have to tell me the specifics, but that makes sense. Batavol is, after all, the only consul not against the Aurochs and against the Chrysalis. So, she's probably trying to protect her secrets from her colleagues. I don't think the Alliance of the Eight is about to be that secret. No. Everyone knows about it. The Emperor's Proclamation, pretty much everyone on the mainland and in Uhanahi has heard about your mother-father's decree about joining the Alliance of the Eight. But, my guess, Consul Batavol, they're trying to hide the specifics 
uh, of their liaison with the rest of the Alliance from the other consuls. I bet they're fielding a bunch of uh, political bullshit on their end. If the Chrysalis so knows what the Alliance is up to, that defeats the whole purpose of this fucking thing. Subtlety. Exactly. Not exactly my strong suit or Mercy's. Hey! Mercy, come on. I know, I know, it's not my strong suit, which is why, you're right, Ravi, we should go get some rest so we can charge up our subtlety points to spend on covert operations the next day. Is that how subtlety works, Zilali? Okay, judging from you're, the silence from everyone, no. You're you're very cute, Mercy, when you uh, cute when you try to do things that aren't in your Let's just go. Yep, agreed. Let's go. Thank you, Bravi, uh, for helping us. As always. It's not like I have a choice. Our interests are aligned. Besides, I care about you. Oh. Thanks. I I was talking about Oka. And the rest of the hounds. Oh, right, of course, I, I knew that. Seriously, kid. And Bravi, like, turns her head to address you, Oka, in front of everyone. She seems unashamed about this. You've come a long way. I remember when you were bleeding out in a hole in the desert, in the Jadidan scrublands. Found you uh, right outside the temple. To... Yeah. Well... You said that I would be the best blood-hunting protege you'd ever had, and you were right, I think. I was right. Honestly, based on how your blood smells, based on everything you've done in too long and even before then, I think it's safe to say you've long since outstripped me as your mentor. I'm proud of you, kid. Thank you, Ravi. I'll make you proud. My uh, last piece of advice, unsolicited for you, before I officially retire the mantle of teacher in our relationship, Oka, is this. You don't need to have a god inside you to be powerful. You were powerful before Vinash. You'll be powerful before Sen. What makes you a paragon isn't this destiny bullshit. It's the fact that you, Oka, you're talented. You're skilled. You know what you're doing. Never, ever doubt your instincts. You got that? And Oka kind of like thumbs the button, you know, that is right above their solar plexus where all that scar tissue connects where the where their soul had been hovering like the day before. And they nod, I think a little taken aback and they don't really have words to answer, but they nod. All right. Unfortunately, I can't put the five of you up in this shack. There's barely enough room for me. And uh, I don't want any of the miners stealing your shit while you sleep outside. So I took the liberty of uh, arranging a room for the five of you for at least a week here in Dabathati at the Harpy Hotel. One room? <laughs> Ravi actually sighs heavily at that. A lot of people are coming into Dabathati for the uh, Chrysalis Conference. A lot of rooms are booked up. So yeah, I got you one room. Two beds, but one room. I hope that's okay. I mean, you're monster hunters. You sleep on the dirt in tents. This is better than that. I appreciate it. Thank you. You're welcome. Correct answer, gentle. Get out of my hair. I've got some scar maintenance to do. 
Thank you, Ravi, for everything. You're welcome, Jaron. I'll be here. If you come up with any leads, need any insight, I'll be here. Thank you, Ravi. Yes, <clears throat> we appreciate it. Uh, all right, hounds, let's go. Uh, and Mercy turns, opens up the door to the shack, stalks out. And we cut now to the Harpy Hotel, which, Oka, it's been a long time since you've been at the Harpy Hotel. The first time you were here was way back when you came to Dabathachi for the first time in our campaign, right? Um, and it's basically the same as when you first visited it. It's a kind of like medium-sized building cramped between like constantly changing businesses in Suraksha. There's a lot of turnover here. Right now, the building on its left is a gambling parlor, and the building on its right is basically like a laundry place, like a magical laundry place, right? There's like a big fire pit out front for where the house, the main housekeeper and owner of the Harpy Hotel will come out in the morning and like cook a big breakfast for like all of the guests inside. But currently, the embers are smoldering and the coals are still, I think, wafting smoke, uh, but the fire is out. And you see like all of the windows uh, inside the Harpy Hotel are glowing with like warm fire and light and hearth light uh, from within. And it does look like the hotel is like awful up. You hear voices emanating from windows, from glass, and you hear the occasional like shriek of laughter or like the occasional shout of like a drunken encounter, right? Mercy <sighs> pauses in front of the Harpy Hotel where we see a big like, I think sign of like a diving Harpy, right? Harpy Hotel. All right. Let's go check out this room situation. And then we cut to the room situation. Inside the Harpy Hotel, it is a smallish room with two twin-sized beds. There aren't queens, they're like twin-sized beds. And there's like a tiny little balcony area and like a little privy attached to the uh, room and that's it. Ah, uh, so... Who's sleeping where? Is there like a bathtub? There, there's a shower. There's no tub. Damn it. Well, obviously, Sitvali and I take a bed, right? First and second. That's obvious. So which one of you will take the other bed? Right, first and second, because that's working out so well. Excuse me? Sorry, never mind. Just noticing how well you seem to work together. We do work very well together, actually. Differently from how you and I worked when you were my second, Oka. And I is, remember when Wooming was your second before me, actually. Oka. You worked differently with Wooming too, didn't you? Sorry? <sighs> I. We'll okay, talk later. Mercy. Honestly, I forgot that Wu Ming was my second. Uh, yes, we'll talk you Why will. do you forget about Wu Ming so much? I don't Wu. know. I think maybe they cast a spell on me, okay? Maybe this isn't my fault. I'm not they, that big of an asshole. I don't think Wu Ming's a bad person. I don't. I just don't get why you'd forget about them. Of course you do. You quiet types always band together. Ming's really nice. Don't think I didn't notice you and a Biku, who's also a weird quiet type, talking together during the dinner. And you were talking with Wu Ming. It's just you're, you're biased, gentle. You're biased against against extroverts and towards introverts. Right, and me. Uh, I didn't even date Wu Ming, and I remembered them. Well, it was because you didn't date them. I bet they only cast spells on people they date. 
Anyway, we're not interrogating my romantic history here. Sidlali and I have the bed. Rest of you can fight over the other one. Uh, gentle, why don't you take the bed? I can when? sleep on the fr- uh, on the floor or... I mean, but wouldn't you and Oka be sharing it anyway? I would much rather share the floor. And Oka looks like they want to say something and then they kind of think better of it. I might wake up or something. And I think because Oka and Jaron did share a tent uh, the night that they found, that the hounds found Oka in the uh, Silent Grove. And so they just kind of like knowing, like give Oka a knowing look. Yeah, I think we'll be fine on the floor. Good, good, great. Glad that's resolved. Uh, Jaron, just make sure if you have to use the bathroom or something in the middle of the night, you come back to the right, Oka. What? Sitlali just goes to a corner of the bed and sits down and starts journaling like none of this is happening. Mercy, what the fuck? What? What? You didn't tell Oka? Didn't I thought- tell me what. Fuck. Shit, I thought everyone knew. Um, knew what? When you were gone. Sitlali, do you- Gentle's going to the bathroom for this. I also have to, do you mind if we- uh, Yeah, I'm just yeah, gonna- no, Yeah, okay, yep, I'm yeah, gonna. Yeah. <laughs> yep, Mercy, Mercy sidles into the bathroom, <laughs> the tiny bathroom with you. Uh, we're, we just have to, we're just, we're pooping together. And Mercy, like, closes the door very quickly, uh, to the bathroom, and you hear it lock. What, when... is it some, some kind of fun joke or something? Is this a, we poop together, and what? And Oka's smiling. Without looking up, Sitlali, in raven speech, says, What, are you too ashamed to admit that you fucked me? Jaron takes a beat, and I think forgetting to switch to Raven speech and just in common is going to reply back to Sitlali. Why would I be ashamed of what happened? Because of what you said during. You asked me a question, Sitlali, and I answered it. That's not the part I'm talking about and you know it. That doesn't count. Of course it doesn't. Why would it count? Why would any of it count? It didn't matter, right? That's not even not... a little bit? Sitlali, you're taking my words out of... That's not what I meant. I didn't... It's not that it didn't... When I told you that I love you, it wasn't you that I was saying that to. Of course it wasn't. Why would it have been? It's not like you ever fucking saw me before and they throw the journal at you. I think Jaron gets, like, surprised by the the throw of the journal and, like, catches it in their hands, kind of fumbling with it. And as they're fumbling with it, it, like, falls open in their hands. And they get a glimpse of what is inside. What is written, supposedly a letter that is, like, written and rewritten and, like, there's words, like, crossed out all over the page. And in it, essentially, Sitlali is a letter to Jaron. And in it, Sitlali reflects on the night that the two of them slept together when Sitlali was transformed into Oka. And just some choice lines from the letter. 
Your eyes were full of starlight when you gazed at me, but it wasn't us you were looking at. It'll always be them, won't it? Oka abandoned us. I see you, Jaron. Oka burned you, you sweet, generous thing. Oka is dead to us, Jaron. I see you. I see you. Will you ever see us? Will you realize the come down hurts too much and stop chasing the high? Would I ever leave you? Of course not. What else do I have? And seeing that, Jaron like quickly slaps the journal shut, realizing like what he's holding in his hands. I and in Raven's speech back at Ziplali. What is this? Give it back. He extends out a hand with the journal. And they snatch it. You never said any of that. Would it have changed anything? I don't know, Sitlali. I'm not... I can't tell the future or what would have happened, but... Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you just tell me instead of asking who I wanted you to be? I wanted you to say me. You knew it wasn't going to be you in that moment. Oka was gone, possibly dead. I just needed them to be alive for one more day. That Lolly stands and walks very intentionally towards you, Jaron, and meets your gaze and holds it. And then they spit on the ground next to you and walk out of the room. Sit, Lolly, I. Fuck. Mercy quickly and firmly exits the bathroom and without a word without even a glance at Jaron or Oka, follows Sitlali out of the room to go after them. And the door closes. Oka, in the beginning of this, was kind of, you know, playing along. There are a lot of things that happened in the Hounds that they don't know about. And I'm sure they've been teasing them about it quite a bit. The like fun in-jokes, you know, and they've been playing with them too. I think they were maybe like rolling a cigarette or something, like leaning against one of the walls. And then eventually their hands stopped moving and the pleasantness, as pleasant as their face can be, kind of fell away. But it wasn't replaced by rage or viciousness or anger, I think. Just this utter silence. And they just... Watch it, Lolly leave. Their eyes flick back to Jaron. And they look at the ground where Sit Lolly spit on the floor. And they take their cigarette and they walk onto the balcony. Jaron follows Oka onto the balcony. Just in time, I think, to watch huge, gigantic white feathered wings I think it was maybe like maybe it just wasn't noticeable before because they were wearing like cloaks and layers of clothes 
but they have been uh, cutting holes in the back of their shirts. And it becomes very clear why, because what was once these like ghostly hollow wings are now like full life, blood, bone, feather come tearing out of their back as they take one step up onto the edge of the balcony and they just take two huge flaps up into the sky and they fly up and away. And I think like just as you're like taking off is when Jaron manages to get onto the balcony and they just yell out, Oka, wait! And like try and like catch maybe like your your shoe or something and like just miss as you're flying away. I don't know how far they go though. I imagine there's like a courtyard kind of, like this is like a courtyard style in the back. And I think they just fly to somebody else's balcony, like across the way. And they land on it and they turn around and look at Jaron again, the, like, and their wings take up the entirety of it. It's like three times their size. And I think they put like an elbow up on the railing and they light their cigarette and they just stare at Jaron from across the way. Oka, let's, let's talk. And Jaron, I think, uh, will step up onto the railing of the balcony and try and like jump across to where you are. If maybe you almost or barely make it, I think Oka, like maybe as like just miss, right? Oka like reaches out and grabs your wrist and kind of like maybe holding you there on the edge of the balcony. Let's talk. Thank you. Uh, can you help me out? Yeah. And they pull them all the way up. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. I, I wanted to tell you, I tried to tell you in the letters that I, that I gave you. I, I just, I missed you so much. And Oka takes a drag. You know, Jaron, for the first time in my life, this isn't my fucking fault. No. Just not my problem to fix no no it's not so you fix it and then never do that to me again draw nods I will I promise it I fucked up okay yeah and so did Sitlali in more ways than you know, I think. For both of us. And I just. I spent months looking for you. I spent months wondering if you were alive, if you cared about me, if I would ever see you again. And I know it doesn't excuse what I did, but when I was given a chance, to have you, to hold you again. Well, I took it. But I know that that... It hurt Sitlali 
It hurt you. It hurt me, if I'm being honest. I'm really, really sorry. What are you going to do when I die, Jaron? Well, hopefully I die before you so we don't have to worry about that. When we're old and wrinkly. We don't have to worry about that for a while. I don't think your conversation with Sitlali is finished. You should probably go. Right. Right. I love you, Oka. And Oka cups Jaron's face. Do you remember the first night we were together? I do. It was cold. It was cold. And I told you that I was going to eat you alive. I do. thought it was an odd thing to say, but endearing. I don't really think you understand what that means yet. I think Jaron, like, cocks their head and gives you a confused look. The gods are hungry, Jaron. And so am I. I love you too. And I'm so fucking sorry that I do. We cut now to right outside the door. Uh, we see the door close and Sitlali storm out. Uh, and I think in the hallway of the Harpy Hotel, Sitlali, where are you headed? Sitlali is crying. Um, like, genuinely crying. Uh, soundlessly, but genuinely. And I, they don't know where to go, I don't think. So I think they, I think they just walk. I just, I think they just, like, they're so in their head, they just walk. And, like, I think they leave the hotel and I think they just walk. As you go down the stairs onto, like, the first the first floor of the landing and you head toward the door like tears just streaming down your face silently hear a voice and footsteps behind you call out Sidlali hey hey hold on hold on and a shadow sort of falls next to yours and Mercy pulls up next to you right when you're at the threshold of the of the hostel hey hey and Mercy sort of doesn't like get in your way but like kind of comes out in front of you and looks very concerned and like places like a hand on your shoulder hey are you I'm not going to ask if you're okay, because that's a dumb question, but what do you, what do you need right now? What do you, how do I, how can I help? How can I, how do I fix this? And I think Sitlali just kind of sinks into Mercy's chest. Oh, oh, hey, hey it, it's okay. Uh, it's okay. And Mercy like holds you there, right? And like puts like an arm around your shoulders and just holds you tight against her. You never asked me to be anybody else. Of course not. I never wanted you to be anyone else. I always ever wanted you. But will you always? Of course. Of course. And did, did you say that to Selim? Did you say that to Wu Ming? 
looks at Lolly. It's truly no secret that I have a lot of um, ex-lovers. Uh, you've met all of them, and I'm not lying when I say all of them. I genuinely forgot about Wuming. I'm sorry, I literally... That's beside the point. Um, I did love some of my exes. Not Selim, and honestly, I mean, I've grown. Looking back on it, I treated her really poorly. Um, I treated a lot of them really poorly, honestly. Not gonna lie, that was the kind of person I was. I was traumatized, and so I saw people just as ways of getting comfort and worth for myself instead of as people. But I'd like to think that I'm different or in the process of becoming different. And I don't want to treat you that way, Sitlali. I don't just see you as a future ex. I don't. I'm honestly, I'm surprised <laughs> at the direction our relationship has gone in. I was never expecting this. And I, I don't want to lose you. I don't want to lose you either. But I also know myself and I am polyamorous, Mercy. And that's what I'm interested in. I want to be with you, but I also want to maybe be with other people. Is that something you can live with? Is that okay? with you? Uh, Mercy blinks a few times when you say this and she says is that is that it? I'm, I'm sorry I don't want to diminish that I just I thought I thought you were really mad at me about something or really upset about how I had felt in the past about my exes or somehow about I, for bringing up the fact that you know you and Jaron in front of Oka I well, you're, you probably still are mad about that. It's, hey, that's, you being polyamorous, that's fine. <laughs> I, that's not, that doesn't bother me at all. So, if I said that the Sybil thing wasn't just for Bud, would that be okay? Oh. Uh... I, th I think I don't like it because I don't like Sybil. I think they're a shitty person. Do I mean, look at talk what they Sybil? did to Bud. No, but look at what they... I mean, they fucking stole Bud. Who steals someone's dog? That's a I... fuck... I've never stolen a dog before. Like a pet dog. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's a new level of fucked up. I, it is, it isn't great, but like, you know, people are s strange. Um, I don't know. I just, maybe, and even, I mean, even if it's, even if it doesn't go anywhere, like, actually, it could be a very useful way of distracting her while we retrieve Bud, right? That is true. Uh, <laughs> um, so, so, Sid Ludley, when you say you're polyamorous, what does that mean for us? And how you want to 
date me. The way that anyone would date, but... Open? So... I don't know, I guess we would, um... I've never actually had this conversation with anyone before. People usually just... I don't... It's just kind of a... Uh-huh. Uh-huh. This is new, and also, I kind of... It's new for me, too. I... Yeah. Would you be... Would it be unprofessional if I killed Duran? Huh? What? Oh. A and? Is there, is there a second part of that sentence, or is that the no, end of the sentence? Would it, be, would it be unprofessional if I killed Duran? To, ki to kill your colleague? Yes. Um... Yes, I think it would be unprofessional. Yes. I'm not a great judge of character sometimes, but I, I I think I can draw a line in the sand and say that that would be unprofessional. But would it be justified? I cannot speak toward that. Because I think, I think the Raven Queen is really speaking through me right now in that I really <laughs> want to put a knife through those horns. And I completely understand your anger, Sitlali. Hell, I've been there, though not in this context. But, um, I no, think you're killing him- the one getting stabbed, yeah. Yeah, and she sort of, like, cups like her gut where someone stabbed her. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but I think killing Jaron would be the easy way out, frankly. You're right, it would be better to make it painful. That's not what- mm, You know what? Yes, yes slowly torture him with with knowledge that you're growing and in spite of him we're having communications we're talking about stuff that's i never we thought talking about i would stuff. do this yeah i am your second exactly and you can and wave that in his face and you're in charge exactly so we could kick him out you would you want to do what you want you want to kick Jaron out? Well, it's not killing him. Sidlali, we I think hmm, we need Jaron right now. I think he's good at what he does. They're smart. They're a good hunter. Professionally speaking, they're an asset to our group. But after, after what? After the Paragons die. Okay, you know what, Sitlali? If after the Paragons die, you still want to kick Jaron out of the Hounds, we can have a conversation about that. Okay. Great. Great. Um, back to the polyamorous thing. I don't like labels for myself mostly because in the past <clears throat> pirate queen uh have tr tried to put labels on the relation kinds of relationships i could and couldn't have and that's gone in a yeah, bad direction that's uh, understandable um, yeah i'd want to kill her too also yeah yeah that's i just would prefer not to think about her uh yeah. but i think in terms of me honestly sitlali uh, I guess I, I could be open to other romantic connections right now, but I don't think I want to be. And not because I'm not interested or find other people sexually attractive necessarily, uh, but because I don't know, one relationship is enough for me. I mean, just look at my record. I, that was when I was just dating one person at a time. 
And look at how that fucked up. I think if I started dating multiple people, I would end the world sooner than the stranger. So. You're probably right about that. Yeah. Just let me know. I would, I'd like to be kept in the loop. You yeah. don't have to tell me all the details about everything, but you know, if the dates you go on, how you, how you're feeling, I just like to check in and I'd be lying if I said I didn't want to be really important to you and whatnot. Um, hey, you'll always be first. Yeah. I think they get up on their tiptoes and kiss. <laughs> and Mercy like hugs you and kisses you back with like a smile. But can I stab Duran like once? Like okay. One time. One time. One time. You get one free stab. Not in the heart or the brain. Or a major artery. How did you know what I was thinking? I I know. Yep. I just said, Lolly, I know you. I can bring them back. I didn't say the groin was off limits. No heart, no brain, no arteries. Major I can live arteries. With that. Okay. I can live with that. I am a cleric. I can just okay. fix it after I do yep. it. It's fine. Yep, yep, yep. Yep. All right. Yeah. One free stab. Okay. Good. And the dagger can't be poisoned. Damn it. How did you... Okay. Why? Listen. Listen. <laughs> and I think like on like Mercy laughing with you, like still holding you, joking with you a little, um, we go, we pan up and back into the room, specifically into the bathroom where Gentle is. All alone. You ever been so overwhelmed with everyone else's emotions that you're simply crying because you know the vibes are terrible? Because I think that's what's happening in the shower right now. There's way more badness than they uh, can handle, admittedly. And they're just probably sitting... Just scribbling half-coherent poems. Gentle! Oh my god. Okay, yeah. As you're crying and just scribbling poems and whatnot, make a perception check for me. <laughs> oh, that was a nat one. <laughs> Okay, okay. Gentle, why don't you describe to me, like, how you, like, do you, the minutes pass, I think Oak and Duran are having their long balcony talk, and Mercy and Sitlali are having their long lounge talk, so they won't be back for, like, a hot minute. So how do you spend the rest of your time? Do you eventually move out of the bathroom? Paint me a picture. I think, I think I do. I think it's one of those things where once there's absolutely no noise coming from out here, um, or they, yeah, they wouldn't even realize. I think they'd sit there for a while. Maybe there's probably a five minute gap between no noise and everyone like leaving before Gentle goes to check, and just sort of, I think, leans against the balcony and like enjoying a bit of the outside air, just like sits on the balcony and brews some tea, and they think about all the people that like they think about like the relationships they they've formed outside of the hounds and it's a bit of a bitter pill to swallow of like 
this is what the hounds are like and we've like fought together and saved ships lives and like this is what my my best friends and like family do meanwhile i have like way more healthy way less bad relationship with people who i met for like two days and then had like left on the other side of the world i think of like root wooming in particular it's just kind of quiet think of bud gentle when do you eventually turn back to face the room once the tea's brewed i probably made just something quick so another about four minutes or so okay i think there's like a tiny little stove in the corner you can sort of like hear the whistle of like the tea starting to come to a full brew uh or like the teapot you turn and with your nat one perception you didn't notice this when you first came out of the bathroom but you notice it now when you turn you see a letter that has been slipped under the door and it's sort of just like in the entryway go check and see if anyone's name's on it so i can make sure it goes to the right person it's a plain letter and it has no return address it just has an address C. It says to Oka Hien. I will uh, tell Oka about this letter when they get back. Okay. You don't open it? It's not my style. Okay. Uh, the T, I think, starts to come to a head. Uh, and I think, are you like, do you put, do you set the letter down when you go to like bustle with the T? Or do you hold on to it? I don't know if Oka had their stuff like set up anywhere near and like on the floor or any. Uh, they that's had, up to Oka because I know that's where they were sleeping. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll probably put it right next to their stuff then. Okay, and about how many minutes would you say it takes for you to steep the tea and prepare it? Sorry, for this one probably about three and a half minutes. Okay, let's say it's been about ten minutes since you left the bathroom, and around. 10 minutes in you're like back is turned to the room you're like brewing on the little like stovetop you're like fiddling with the teapot I need you to make a dexterity saving throw I explode I can't wait oh, of course I can do those it's good can't see shit um that's a 24 I think your instincts Something just kicks in, almost like a gentle, like spidey sense, for like a, like for like a, a, the split second before the room explodes. You're at the stove, and you just feel something like al- alarm you, like a deep animal instinct. But this is what happens: the room explodes, and the walls just just explode outward in all four directions, originating from the letter. And I think there's like a slow-mo moment where you're at like the little stove in the corner and you just sort of see like a huge flash of light sort of like like explode outward from behind you. See these like long fingers of shadow trawling in every direction. You see the wall in front of you vaporize, I guess, uh, as it folds down almost like a paper house with like its walls just folding downward. And I think though you take no damage, I think the force of, it's like a reverse vacuum, like just like a implosion of force flings you forward and into the next 
room that's adjacent to you and you're just you just tumble through space the tea kettle explodes like the stove it was on shatters into smithereens and there's a massive noise as gentle you just fly through the air and i think your body smacks onto like a, a wardrobe smashes against some sort of wood and there's just a cavalcade of chaos all around you Podcast editing for this episode is by C. Thomas of Okahian fame. Toss them a follow on Twitter at PieSharpArt. Transplaner RPG is proudly sponsored by at Dimitri Opines on Twitter and ExplainTrade.com, a negotiation skills training consultancy, because you can't ask to roll persuasion in real life. Check out ExplainTrade.com. Please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. This helps so much with getting new listeners to find us. New podcast episodes drop every Tuesday. If you can't wait that long, tune into our live stream Saturdays at 7 p.m. U.S. Central Time on Twitch at TransplanarRPG. Also, toss us a follow on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and YouTube at TransplanarRPG. We also have a Patreon. Patrons get early access to episodes, character sheets, high-res art, and much, much more. And finally, a very very special thank you to our Patreon paragons. Azura, Brooke Bright, Charles, Chiacres, Cora Eckert, Emma, Hat, Conding, Lex Slater, Purple Mouse, Scruffisus, and Target.